0: Welcome to the 108 podcast. We are the Type 1 Together Girls.
1: Yes, we are. We are stripping down life with type 1 diabetes from two people who live different versions of it every single day. Okay. Episode one. Let's do this. I'm Raquel and (laughs) I'm Amanda. We are going to take you through really both of our entire journeys up until this point. So this is just a get to know you episode and why the 108 podcast will explain this wild, crazy story of how we came about that name and all the things before we dive into so many topics going forward. Oh, yeah. All the topics. Um, Raquel,
0: you should go first because you are the founder and CEO of Type 1 Together.
1: (laughs) that's so weird to hear. But anyways, (laughs) uh, yes, I'm Raquel and I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was five years old. It was actually right around my fifth birthday. I didn't have a super traumatic diagnosis story, which I'm so thankful and lucky for and I realize how rare that is now. But um, I had been sick around my birthday and a couple days after my birthday, I happened to have my five-year-old checkup. And so my mom took me in and by some miracle, they pricked my finger there and they noticed it was a little high. I don't know exactly what it was, but it wasn't crazy alarming. They actually had my mom bring me back the next day after I think first it was not eating anything. They had me fasting. And so I came back in the next day checked it must have been a little high and same thing happened they were like bring her back tomorrow after eating a super sugary breakfast and my mom was like cool no problem we'll get her donuts so we did that and i came back the next day and at that point they were like okay she needs to go to the hospital but the hospital actually did not have any beds left at the time and so i had to wait another day finally made it in had type 1 diabetes and here i am 21 years later Uh, But my story was not always involving me loving the community and being all in. I actually didn't really want anything to do with the diabetes community for many years. I did the JDRF walk once a year in Dallas where I'm from. And I also went to a one-week summer camp every summer. But besides that, didn't really want to do anything. Didn't want to go to the sleepaway camps and all of that. And when I went to college at UT Austin... Um, I had a friend who was friends of the with the president of the College Diabetes Network, which is now known as the Diabetes Link. They recently rebranded, but basically it's just a club for type ones in college. They have them all over the country. And if they don't have one at your school, you can start one yourself. But I went to a meeting very reluctantly. And when I was there, I made some of my best friends in that first meeting. And I walked out thinking, wow, it's actually so nice to have people around me who get it. Like, duh, why didn't I realize that earlier? But that was really the start of it all. So I got very involved in the community very fast. I started interning at the JDRF chapter in Austin and eventually became co-president of the CDN chapter that I was part of. And through both of those things, I was connected to so many families who needed babysitters of their type one kids because, you know, it's just so hard to find sitters. So I started babysitting everyone and then had too many requests and I ended up (laughs) connecting all my diabetes club friends, as we call it, to all of these families and kind of became known as the Austin type one babysitter. I was a dance major in the college. I was doing event planning on the side, like weddings and stuff, and really did not think that I would end up doing diabetes for my life. But um, I just fell in love and I found the community to be so special and With dancing in college, it was really hard to manage blood sugars. But during that time, I learned so much from my peers and from the community that I was surrounded by uh, through JDRF. And my management just got so much better. And it was all from community more than any doctor, if I'm being honest. And so it made me realize that a lot of the families I was babysitting for, they were struggling with the same things I used to struggle with and I did for years. And I'm like, why? is there not a way to speed up this process? Like there needs to be more support. There needs to be babysitters and so many other things. And so type one together was born at the end of my senior year, originally as a babysitter connection service only, but with the pandemic and everything that happened, things changed. And, um, obviously people didn't need sitters for a while. So we took the list away. We did some other things. And now, as you all probably know, the T1D babysitter list is one awesome thing that we provide, but just one of many things. Um, So what is Type 1 Together? We help families through their first year of diabetes and beyond. Amanda will talk a lot more about this, but we just want to get to the real and share our genuine, true lives with diabetes and what it's really like to live with it every single day, because we never get a day off, whether you're a parent or you're someone like myself who lives with it. Um, But we generally are helping the parent population, I would say, or caregiver of any sort of someone living with Type 1. Yeah, that's definitely the focus, I would say, of type one together is
0: the yeah, parent caregiver population. And obviously in helping that population, we then help the children that have type one diabetes. But I say we have quite a few adults with type one who also follow us and say that they, you know, get something valuable from some of our posts and our ideas and things of that nature. So that's exciting.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, well so many of the babysitters I think that work with us uh end up following along too and so yeah, I guess some of the other things that we are providing at this moment, obviously our Instagram and social media is just full of tips, tricks, venting, mental health Mondays, CGM case studies, all the things. Um that's where we share I think the bulk of just everything. Now we have the podcast, so this is going to be so exciting to get into more depth and detail. Yeah. Um and then we have our Super Parents group, which is a community on the Honey Health app where you can get exclusive video content from various members of our team, including diabetes educators, a nutritionist, Amanda, myself, people in the community. Um, we have our Diet Buddies in our shop, and those are little stuffed animals that are custom, handmade, actually crocheted by my cousin, which is crazy. She's so talented, but you can get whatever animal devices and colors that you want. So those are super fun and popular. And we have coloring books, other things as well. And Amanda, do you want to talk a little bit about our course? Yeah. So we also have an online
0: video course and it's got 90 plus minutes of content and it's broken up into eight modules. And it really is everything that I wish I knew in those early days post-diagnosis. You know, the kind of, th- the kind of information that you figure out 6 months, 1 year, even 2 years in and you're like why didn't I know this day 1 it would have made the management so much easier. Um and so yeah. yeah, you know, we we wrote it together, we worked on it and we produced it and essentially if you are newly diagnosed or even if you're not and you just feel like you're missing pieces of you know the basics of type 1, this is a great course for you cuz it's you don't have to read one more thing. You can literally (laughs) just buy the course. You have forever access. The videos are anywhere from like five to 15 minutes, depending on the module. And you can just lay in bed at the end of the day and let someone else talk at you in plain, easy to understand language. And it's from two people who get it and live with it every day. Um,
1: so yeah, that's that's our online course. <laughs> yes. And we've also had some grandparents, uncles, aunts, teachers, coaches take it too. And they're loving it because they just get more of an inside look of diabetes. And I've heard from a lot of parents how frustrating it is to explain it to their parents or to all these other caregivers in their lives. And sometimes you just don't have that extra mental capacity to do that to every single person in your life. I feel yeah. that way to this day. And so you can just hand this to them and let them go through it all, which is awesome. And we'll get into this more later because, I mean, Amanda came to me wanting to help families in so many ways, but specifically with this course, we were actually just at Friends for Life and both in tears at breakfast together when she was mm-hmm. really explaining like how she came home from the hospital and what it really looked like. And she really knew nothing, even with her medical background, which we'll share more about soon. But um, it it just came from such a place of love and necessity, and we hope to get it in front of families as soon as they're home from the hospital eventually because you're just given so much information that's so vague and not helpful and it's so frustrating like just tell me how it is you know so yeah that's a lot about the course but we're just so proud of it it's our little baby right now that we just (laughs) created yes so um yes and then we, we do have a grandparent course specifically that is um actually with video calls and not just a self-paced course and so that one's a little more involved and we run that a few times a year so look out for that but yeah that's kind of type one together right now and amanda i'd love for you to dive into your whole story and journey okay let's get into it so <laughs> <laughs> um
0: so uh, yes i'm amanda and i am director of parent support for type one together and gosh when did i come on like Eight months ago, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I haven't been here for that long, and I haven't been um, a type one mom for that long. So (laughs) I'll just dive into that story. So my daughter was diagnosed January two thousand and twenty-two, and she was twenty-six months old. And at the time, I had a four-month-old. So I was four months postpartum and had this fresh two-year-old, and our whole family um, got COVID, and this was right around Christmas time, and then into the new year. And all of the signs and symptoms of type one were being masked by the COVID illness. So she was saying like, "Oh, my throat really hurts, and I want ice water, Mama." You know, that's fine. And then I'm pushing fluids because that's what you do for sick kids push fluids so she's peeing through her diapers nighttime diapers well that makes sense you're getting more fluids her appetite was kind of funky she was really hungry and then not at all and just kind of like ill and then um she was really lethargic but again it's all stuff that i was saying oh this is covid and then there was one point where like myself my husband and the baby we were all getting better but Hattie, our two-year-old, was not getting better. She seemed to be getting worse. And there was one morning where I picked her up from her bed and she had peed through a nighttime diaper and like soaked into the mattress. And she was just kind of like almost limp in my arms a bit. And everything from nursing school, all my knowledge came rushing back. And I looked at my husband and said, she has type one diabetes. I can feel it. And her breath Kind of smelled like port wine. That was the thing that really like tripped my trigger. And, you know, of course my husband's like, can kids even get it? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's not anything that you know i have much knowledge on because for those of you who do not know i am a former nicu nurse so i worked in the nicu for 6 years and then you know was on maternity leave to have our second baby and this is when all of this is happening but in the nicu those kids don't get type 1 diabetes and we don't have it in the family on either side and neither my husband nor myself had any friends with type 1 growing up so we were really you know, newbies when it comes to this diagnosis. Anyway, this of course was on a Saturday. And so I spend the entire day doing like virtual uh, medicine calls with a bunch of doctors. I talked to like three separate doctors, a nurse practitioner, three different nurses, every single one of them was saying, no, there's no way it's type 1 diabetes. There's no way it's a UTI. That's what they all fixated on for what whatever reason. And there was one doctor I remember specifically. I was on the phone with her and I said, I just I want to come in and just get a finger prick. Like it's not going to take very long. I just need to know what her blood sugar is. I didn't realize that you could just run to CVS and get an accucheck. Yeah. Um, now I know that. But Yeah. And she said, no, like it's a UTI. And since she's not potty trained, I'm going to want to do a straight catheterization to get a clean urine sample. And I was like, you're not sticking a tube up my child's urethra when she's awake. Like, that's so painful. And it's unnecessary when I'm asking you to do a single finger prick just to check (laughs) blood sugar. And if it's fine, then let's go from there and Mm -hmm. talk about doing a straight cath. And she, this doctor literally said, well, if you're not going to come in and consent to the straight cath to get a clean urine sample, then you can just wait until Monday and see your own pediatrician. And I was like, fine. And I hung up the phone. And if I had waited until Monday, she would have died for sure. So that was maybe 4 PM and I just, it wasn't sitting right with me. And I called my aunt who's actually a nurse too she didn't even think it was diabetes but she said to me okay like let's take away our nursing brains as a mom what are you gonna do if you don't take her in and I was like I'm gonna watch her breathe all night like I'm scared and she said then take her in and I was like you're right you know and I think that I knew all day long I knew it was type one diabetes but I just like wasn't willing to admit it to myself um Mm -hmm. So I remember, you know, packing everything up, including my pumping supplies, because I knew that, like, I just had this feeling we were going to be gone for more than just an urgent care visit. Mm-hmm. And I took her to urgent care. Same fight about the UTI with the urgent care doctor. They, it took them an hour and a half before they relented and actually poked her finger. And it did not read on the machine. So her blood sugar was over 555. Because that's as high as the machine would read. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they were like, okay, uh, Children's Hospital, right this second. Like, she is in DK. You don't get to go home and pack. You don't get to do anything. Like, she should be in an ambulance, but we're letting you drive. So I went, and yeah, sure enough, she was in DK. I mean, she very likely would have been in a full coma by the next morning, Um, which is just – awful and scary and we can get into I think the hospital stay in another episode because it's quite traumatic and I think it deserves its own episode to dive into the trauma of that but yeah we were there for 48 hours they let me go early just because I got to skip quite a bit of training with my nursing background which looking back was not safe and not smart and Mm. um I didn't need the training on how to draw up insulin from a vial and give an injection, but I needed a lot more education than I got. That's for sure. Um, And then, yeah, we started our journey from there. I mean, again, lots of this stuff I think is going to need its own episode, but um, we barely survived the next few months. I had a full-blown panic attack. I needed meds and therapy to come back to baseline. And then I finally broke my 11-year social media hiatus and got online desperate for community. Um, Little by little, found type one together, loved what you did, Raquel, loved everything that was posted. And I remember there was one thing that you posted um, that's I think it was like $30 for 30 minutes with one of the CDC mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, what about, what about like a call with a parent? What about yeah. parent to parent? You know?" And mm-hmm. I, I DM'd you sort of with that goal in mind to be, to start with right. kind of saying, I feel like parents don't have enough support from other parents because it's one thing to talk to a nurse educator. They're very important. They're very smart. They know they're talking about when it comes to diabetes, but unless they have a child with type one diabetes,
1: like it's just not, it's not the same. It's not the same. I'm like, good for you, but you just don't understand, you know, it's it's just facts. Yes.
0: Yeah. 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 So we went from there and here we are.
1: My work life, Here we are. And (laughs) yes, work life, And it's still a goal to this day for us to eventually have more parent-to-parent support. There's a lot of logistics to be figured out, but um, we dove in in a different way. And well, first of all, thank you for sharing so openly, Amanda. I know there's a lot more to come, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm sure if you all have been following us, you know that Amanda shares so openly on our social media. And it's really been the missing puzzle piece of Type 1 Together, having a parent on board. And it's weird because I Was thinking for months before she found me that I just need a parent who's willing to really talk about it because I can talk about diabetes all day long, but truthfully, I don't know what it's like to be a parent. I know what it's like to babysit for hours and hours and you know (laughs) weeks at a time, but it's just not the same. And so, um, yeah, it's really cool that you're not that far into your journey yet, actually, because you're in the thick of it and you're willing to share as you go and as Hattie gets older, which is going to be so powerful and you know, it's hard that she was diagnosed at such a young age, but I can say now that being diagnosed at five, I'm almost thankful for it because I have so much to share now about growing up with it and just hopefully make life for all the T&D families to come a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people said that to me early on. Um, well, you
0: know, diagnosed it too. She won't know life any other way. And very early in my journey, I basically just wanted to say, up yours, <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> that's not helpful. That no. hurts me. It's you know, like I'm mourning the life I thought my child mm-hmm. was going to have. Um, but coming out on the other side of it a little bit, I I think that there is a part of me that is grateful for that. Um, yeah, in a way, it's incredibly challenging. A two year old, like guessing what a two year old is going to eat. And dealing with tantrums and just,
1: yeah, no. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, but I think that's what's so cool about diabetes. And a lot of people might not like hearing this, but like, I'm so thankful for diabetes for so many things. I think so many of my qualities now are because of type one, so much of my strength, so much of my trust in myself and my ability to keep myself alive, you know, and my work ethic. Like, I have to do so much just to be alive. I was thinking the other day, like, even multitasking, like, I'm, not great at it but like I feel like better than average because I'm always managing blood sugars and doing something else. Yeah. And I think it's so okay to hate diabetes and hate that I have it and also love it for what it's given me and for this life and my connections and community. And I just don't see a reason to I mean obviously when you are upset about something let yourself feel everything. This is really what I believe to the core. Like vent it out, do all the things you need to do and then move on when you can and try to find the good things about it because I'm stuck with type one probably for my whole life, like probably, right? We don't really know, but I'm just going to assume that. And so I might as well try to make the best of it. Yeah.
0: I feel like this is part of the reason why we just immediately vibed too, because that is how I approach life is I don't shy away from the hard stuff and the hard feelings. And I'm not like, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and get going, like feel it acknowledge it, work through it, give yourself the time. But then you do have to move on. Like Mm -hmm. living in negativity for months and months and months or years and years and years is not helpful for literally anyone. Um, And I think we both got that from each other right away. Do you want to tell the story of the first time we met in person and why this podcast is called The 108 Podcast?
1: Yeah. So – (laughs) <laughs> this is just so crazy. I still can't believe it. But basically, um, was it when we first met that we realized this connection? Not yeah, November I remember Dan's. it was yeah. at that um, at coffee, the coffee shop. shop. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I was diagnosed on January 8th, 2001. Actually, 2002. I said that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when was Hattie diagnosed? January 8th,
0: 2022. Yeah. It's so crazy, so
1: crazy. I like, I'm like tearing up just saying that. It's. I know, it makes me weird. Yeah, tear up it gets too. Chills. So, one oh eight, January eighth. We were thinking for a while about so many names for this podcast, and we really wanted it to have a personal connection and also be like deep and true, and not just like. Let's talk about diabetes, you know, because yeah. there's a lot of that and we just want this to be so much more. Um and I don't know, 108 came to mind because we have that connection. And I think the reason why we make such a powered team is because we're sharing from the perspective of a parent and someone living with it, right? So we have both because yeah, yeah we just we experience such different things, and it's important to bring both to the table. So, Amanda, do you want to say what happened when we decided on the name? <laughs> or we were yeah. thinking about the name. <laughs> so Raquel, Raquel
0: sent, Oh my gosh, you know, what about 108 for mine and Hattie's diversaries? And I was like, 108, like, you know, question, it's cute. How do we make that work? How do how do we make it sound good? And then it was like, okay, how about the 108 podcast? I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. And as I'm thinking that, I hadn't checked Taddy's Sugars in at least an hour because it was the morning time and she's pretty steady right when she first wakes up um, before she eats. And then I go to dose her and she's 108 right arrow. And I sent Raquel a picture and I was like, it is the 108 podcast. Like I'm it's not – It's a sign. Yes, it's a sign. I'm not like super religious or anything. Like I that's just not my thing. But yeah. I do – I do think that when signs work in your favor, you should just take them. (laughs) Yes. Like a little,
1: little, little gift from the universe. (laughs) Yes. And 108, obviously, not just the date, but the blood sugar, right? Like, yes. We love that number for so many reasons. Great number. Absolutely. And this morning, Amanda texted me, like, happy (laughs) podcast day. And she sent me Hattie's blood sugar, which was 108.
0: (laughs) 108 was yours
1: (laughs) and mine. Two seconds later, was also 108 study. So there has to be something here. I'm feeling so many things. Yes, (laughs) I'm so excited. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. But yeah, Amanda, do you have any more thoughts about like what this podcast means for you and what you're hoping it becomes? Yeah. Um. So basically,
0: my the thing that like gives me drive in this space is thinking about helping literally even one family avoid the pain and heartache and struggles that we went through in this first six months of our diagnosis. And to me, that's what this podcast can do Like by talking real talk, nitty gritty, discussing the stuff that hurts, discussing the stuff that feels like it's swept under the rug and you don't want it Mm -hmm. to be talking about what endos say to you, what you wish <laughs> they would have say, said to you like yep there's there's so many things that can be discussed in depth that can't be fully touched on, you know on social media platforms mm-hmm. um and I think that if I had someone in my ears, when Hattie was first diagnosed, because I I literally could not read one single thing. Like yeah, the night we got home from the hospital, my husband and I sat down, opened the binders, and it was at least three hundred pages of papers and like four different books. And you know, people in our life had um, very lovingly and thoughtfully purchased a ton of diabetes books, cookbooks, toddlers with diabetes, all these things. And I was just like, I can't read. I can't read and process this kind of information. I need somebody talking at me. I need someone like simplifying Mm -hmm. it. I need something that is a paragraph shrunken down into one sentence. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that if I had a podcast, yeah, it would have helped a lot. So that's the goal. What about you?
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I've always wanted to have a podcast, but it never felt like the right time. And now it just feels like it was all meant to be. Um, I didn't even share about our philosophy around diabetes, right? Like with Type 1 together, I think I can safely say Amanda and I both believe that do whatever works for you, right? Like we are not promoting one device or one type of eating or one of anything. And You can have great blood sugars so that you feel good. That is my motivator, right? Not because having high blood sugars are shameful, but because I don't feel good when my numbers are really high all day or on a roller coaster. And when I was younger, I was told a lot of like, oh, you can just sit at 250 all day and you'll be fine, right? And it's like, why didn't you tell me straight? That's not actually normal. But also like, don't hate yourself if you're having a bad day. We both have (laughs) crazy blood sugar days and Yeah, I just think there's such a balance there, but you can have both. You can have a life, you can live fully, you can have relationships, you can go out to eat, you can drink, like whatever it is, and still feel good with diabetes. So I just want to get more of that message out because I think there's a lot of extremes of you have to do this or do that. um, Or yeah, like you can't live the way that you really want to live. Like you can't have it all, but you kind of can, not every day because it is really freaking hard so hard. But a lot of the time you can have it all within reason.
0: I love that you just talked about like the two extremes because this is what comes to mind for me that really messed with my mental health and like my – just how I approach diabetes in those first, gosh, six weeks I would say. So we we didn't have a follow-up appointment for six weeks. Um, and so yeah. – Every single, like after we came home from the hospital. And so every single day I had to call into the endoclinic to talk about her blood sugars and then like do adjusting um, over the phone. And after a while I could feel them being annoyed and frustrated. Mm -hmm. And here's the other thing I would call in and they would ask, well, who's your endocrinologist? And I was like, I don't know because I saw six in the hospital. And yeah. no one said, this is your endocrinologist. So I, how about you tell me? You're the one pulling up my kid's graph. And they never would. And they would literally just like connect me to whatever endo was on call that day. So I talked to probably 12 endos in the first six weeks. Wow. And to them, that is just another kid and another set of numbers. It's not somebody's real life day in and day out, right? So. Yeah. In terms of like opposing forces, I remember there was one time where I called, maybe it was week two, and I was like, can you help me? Whenever she eats, she goes up to 300 or 400. And then like an hour or two later, she comes crashing down and I'm chasing lows and like, it's really scary. She's two. I just don't know if she's going to eat that much, you know, whatever. And we're on injections at this point, not on a pump yet. And this doctor goes, well, when you eat, do you think your blood sugar goes high? Yep, that's normal. And literally hangs up the phone. That endocrinologist was miserable. We talked to her a few times in those first six weeks. So I'm thinking to myself, I know that's not normal, but that's literally all you're going to say to me about this? Like, not you're not going to change anything or guide me through anything? Okay. And then I talked to another endocrinologist at the 6 week appointment and what i was you know asking her all these questions how do i get her at a more normal level cuz i could already tell that when hattie had really high sugar or if she was on a crazy roller coaster her behaviors were much worse i could sense yep. that she felt terrible and on those random unicorn days where her blood sugars were at least under 200 for the most part she was wonderful like i could feel how much better she felt. And so mm-hmm. of course I'm gonna try and do that for my kid. Yeah. And so I'm explaining this to this other endocrinologist. And I was like, we do, you, do you like, can blood sugars actually be flat? And she goes, Yep, if you do it right. That is what she said. If you do it right, what? <laughs> <laughs> I just like I didn't know enough early on to understand what she meant by that. Like she didn't mean it in a way that was rude or unhelpful, but it was rude Mm -hmm. and unhelpful. And now I know how to mix those two, you know, philosophies of like, oh, well, everyone goes high when they eat and comes down at some point. And the, yes, a flat blood sugar line is exactly what you should be aiming for. Like there's a mix there. Yes. And I've figured out how to achieve it for the mm-hmm. most part. Yeah. So and just being flexible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And once I figured it out, it was like, oh, my mental health is good. My child's mental health is good. It's still hard. Hard days are yes. always gonna be here. But um yeah, it just it stopped feeling like uh truly the end of the world every single day and started feeling mm-hmm. like nah this is our life we got it back we yes we, we call the shots where the driving force diabetes
1: gets to take a back seat. Yes, it does. That's so refreshing. And yeah, there's just so much there's so many unrealistic expectations put out, I think, by Endos. And I wanna preface this whole podcast by saying <laughs> that I do respect Endos a lot because Of course. I find myself complaining about them a lot and it's probably going to come out here. But it's just because I was told a lot of, okay, give this many units for this many carbs and you're going to be in range. And we all know that that's not how it works usually. And now I know why. There's so many other factors that impact your blood sugar. And so when I'm giving myself a dose, it's easier in some ways for me because I can feel what's going on in my body. But I'm thinking, okay, did I work out last night? What am I eating for lunch? Like, what am I doing for the next four hours? Mm -hmm. What did I do before? Am I stressed? Am I emotional? Like, what am I on my period? Like, what's happening? Mm -hmm. And so that was not really communicated. And I felt like it was either I was getting in trouble for having a high A1C, but not really being told how to help it.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Or other doctors were just like, oh, you're doing fine. But like, I wasn't and I wasn't (laughs) feeling good, you know? And I didn't realize how bad I was feeling until I finally, Got things kind of together, yes. <laughs> Even though you never really have it together, but at least a little more in range, and that's really sad to me because I went a lot of years just being all over the place, and it was hard. So yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, there's so much I already want to dive into, and we'll get into <laughs> in later <laughs> well, I, episodes.
0: It's funny. I do like I appreciate that you chose to just preface with like acknowledging that we respect endocrinologists because I fully respect endocrinologists all healthcare workers i mm-hmm. technically am still a registered nurse my license yes. is up to date like i've been there you in order to like survive being on the clinical side of healthcare in america you do have to become like callous to a point because yeah. The demands of the job and the amount of patients that are forced upon you doesn't allow for true human to human connection in mm-hmm. every scenario, which is really yeah. unfortunate and it's an America problem and not necessarily an MD problem. Yeah, um, I can
1: see that. So I that, do that give sense. them,
0: yeah, I give them a lot of grace, but I will also roll my eyes and talk about how, you know,
1: annoying it can be on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) well yeah because they they if they don't have diabetes especially which a lot of mine didn't they really just don't get it like I said lucky for them but they don't and so yeah not only do they not have time like they only see you for 15 minutes or whatever but then Mm -hmm. on top of it they just don't have that same depth of understanding and so it's kind of no one's fault right like Mm -hmm. it's definitely not their fault with the way the system's set up but it's also like okay we have this disease or whatever you want to call it that is so demanding and so challenging and we just need more support whether you're a parent or someone living with it everyone needs more support because it really affects the whole family and so we are trying to fill those gaps there needs to be more resources and honesty and just talking about it you know so and hopefully we'll be interviewing some really awesome guests as well yeah, that would be fantastic.
0: Yeah, I, I would say we're not even necessarily asking endocrinologists to be the end-all be-all, but just to yeah. acknowledge that there are other resources and say, hey, I'm here to support you and write the orders, but like this is your disease process or your child's, therefore yours, until they can take it over. Um And, you know, like you get to call the shots for the most part, the power is in your hands and I'm here to like guide you. And in doing that, hopefully, fingers crossed, all the pediatric endocrinologists hand out (laughs) cards that
1: say them together. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, honestly. Because we're here to help you guys. Yes, we are. And we love meeting you all and talking to you all. So just know our DMs are always open. But um Seeing the way that this community has already been spreading the word about everything I've built, which I feel weird saying, but it's just, it's crazy to me. Like it's all happening so fast now, especially with Amanda on the team. I just, first of all, I just love you so much and I'm so thankful that you're with me. <laughs> I love you but too. But it's so cool to see like people are now finding us from doctors all over the country and yeah. just messaging us or whatever it is or finding out about the babysitter resource and It's happening, and so I want to say thank you to our community for being there for us and supporting us. And hopefully, this podcast is a helpful resource, and it's also free. And that's something that, like, we want to give away a lot of information as much as we can. And Amanda and I are also trying to grow this as big as we possibly can and do it full time. And so know that that's a balancing act, but we're hoping that this really gives you a deep look into the way that we look at diabetes and handle it every single day.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, All right. right. Any yeah, I know. I was just going to say any like final thoughts on you know, first episode. I'm just so excited.
1: <laughs> There's so many <laughs> things I want to say. Um I was going to say if anyone has things that you want us to discuss, topic ideas, we have a lot of ideas written down from mm-hmm. the last like 6 months of things that keep popping up and we're like, we need to talk about that in a podcast. But DM us or email us whatever, let us know so that we can be providing the support that you all are actually looking for and yeah other than that just follow us on all the things yeah follow us at type one together on
0: instagram and tiktok and we also have a website where you can purchase all of the um, like supplies and resources and courses that we have that's www.type1together.com
1: yeah And a Facebook group. We do have a type one parent Facebook group if you want to join that. Um, Just a good way to connect with others as well as our super parents community, which is free and it will be for the next few months if you join now. So definitely check that out. Um, And what is it that all all the podcasters say? Like, go rate and review us so that we can grow the show. Yes. you Rate, review, and subscribe
0: so that we can keep growing so that we can – yeah. Yeah. So we can make this as big as possible for all of you. So thank you so much for sticking with us and listening to uh, episode one
1: of the 108 podcast. Should we check blood sugars real fast as a way to sign off? Oh, I love that. Yes.
0: You go first. I
1: am 130 right now.
0: I'll take it. (laughs) Um, My daughter is 87 right arrow.
1: Woo. All All right, right. We love you and we'll see you next week. Woohoo, see you guys.